Good morning. Happy Monday. I have no coffee in hand and it is perfect. All right. Coming off a stellar weekend. Uh, with recovery weekend, had some company, really good time, and uh, now we're ready to dig into a Monday. So let's go right into the Q&A for today. This is with Zach. Zach had a great question. Um, he's working with a, a, a young athlete that is presenting very specifically with some interesting findings, anterior orientation in the pelvis, but a response in the foot. And so this is one of those things that gets misrepresented a lot because uh, in, in the literature and clinically, a foot is identified as being pronated as the arch approaches the ground, which is fine if we can understand how we get there. And the thing we wanna recognize is the fact that everything is a turn. And so pronated foot often gets misrepresented as something that is occurring in the imaginary frontal plane when it's actually a, a, a twist through the foot. And so what we'll actually see is a turn through the tibia here, and then that's gonna bring the arch down. But what we have in this case that we discussed with Zach is we actually have an ER'd foot that's getting pushed downward into the ground. As the center of gravity passes forward, the arch is gonna get closer to the ground. And so we don't have a relative motion at the subtalar joint that's producing this, this pronated appearance, and so it creates some confusion. So we talk Zach through this, we give him a little bit of strategy that you're probably gonna to wanna to pay attention to. Um, in regards to how to restore normal contacts to the bottom of that foot. Um, so this is very, very useful for a lot of people. So thank you, Zach, for bringing this, this question. If you'd like to participate in a 15-minute consultation, please go to askbillhartman at gmail.com, askbillhartman at gmail.com. Put 15-minute consultation in the subject line so I don't delete it. We'll arrange that at our mutual convenience. Don't forget, put your question in the email as well. Everybody have an outstanding Monday, and I will see you tomorrow. Um, so she initially came to me, she's like a 14, 15 year old high school girl, um, bilateral hip knee foot pain. Sweet. Um, I have a picture where it won't show her face, but like, um, okay. Yep. Got it. Yep. All over. All over. Uh, yep. Um, in working with her, like, yes, like you mentioned the hip and foot pain once, but it's really about the knee pain. Like that's really the only thing she ever talks about either within PT or like when she's playing soccer, yep. um, every single time, like, it's like very clear how she describes it. So basically like take this side of her hand and just draw a line, like through her patellar tendon like that. If she's saying like where the pain is longitudinally or horizontally, uh, horizontally. Okay. Gotcha. So like, like, like top half is painful. Bottom half is not kind of thing. Yes. Gotcha. Um, from like what provokes her symptoms the most other than just like playing her sport is pretty much anytime we get into a split stance position, the back leg. Gotcha. Okay. Perfect. Understood. Um, from like a capturing range of motion standpoint, yep. I can get her to a point where she's pretty much clean. Um, but like any time, even like when I get the range of motion back, anytime we go back into that position, we can do like a set of a split squat. But anytime we go into like one more set, yep. uh, like a second, second or third set, the symptoms always come back. Yep. So I guess I'm trying to figure out, like, I think eventually I'm going to get to a point where like, we're going to have to just relearn how to put force into the ground based on the fact that she's just, but right now, like I can't figure out how I'm bridging the gap yep. from on the table Yep. To getting her to stand up and just tolerate this position. Yep. So um, 
can you hold the can you hold that picture up can you share that uh it's on my phone right now okay. just 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 hold it up again okay now lower it down a little bit just a little just lower it, like slide your phone down just i want to see your hips there you go um she's a little pylon yeah yes yeah okay so you have a you have a you have a you have a pelvic circumference that's a little bit bigger than the thoracic circumference all right so um velocity favors a downward representation does it not okay awesome now hold the picture up again look at her feet pick it uh get it closer and lift it up a little bit awesome okay is she pushing into the ground uh it appears that way uh you could say that and i think <laughs> she's losing that would also be a safe statement okay all right so um what kind of foot you got going there, pal? You got an uh, ER foot or an IR foot? IR. Wrong. Oh, uh, so is she, is she ER and then just oriented? Uh huh. Yeah. What's your What's your giveaway for that? Uh, the fact that she's got an ER foot and the arch is really close to the ground. Where Where are you seeing that? Okay. Proximal distal. Proximal distal. Proximal distal. Okay. So proximal femur, distal femur, proximal tibia, distal tibia, proximal foot, heel, distal foot, okay? Gotcha. You've got an ER representation. That is not, that is not relative motion at the subtalar joint. The subtalar joint is still trying to ER and now she's pushing it down. And you can tell, you can tell because of the sequential orientation all the way down, you see it? Okay, yep. now go back up to your pelvis. Go back up to your pelvis. Okay. And you're gonna see that the yeah, and you're gonna see that the uh, look at look at the draping of her shirt. Okay, you see how it, it hangs straight down on the left and then it bumps into her hip on the right. You see that? Yep. Okay, why would that happen? More compression on that right side. Actually, it's not compressed more, it's actually so. So, so she is forward more. So there's nothing to stop the, the shirt. So she, her left side is more forward. So if you look at her feet, you'll see that the, the right, or I'm sorry, the left foot orientation is much more significant than the left. So she actually probably measures with some measure of IR on the left hip. Am I correct? Yes. Okay. Do you think she's got hip IR? No. That's an orientation, my friend. Okay. So every time you put her into a split stance, what is going to be the orientation that she's going to try to use? Just dump the left pelvis forward. Right. But okay. So what, what, do I need to be in a force producing position at any time in a split squat? Yes. Yes. Do I need, so I need to be able to capture IRs, don't I? Okay. She's not doing that. Um, the dead, she gets like, a, like a, this, is it kind of like a broad generalized anterior knee pain on the back leg when she does the split squat? Is that, it's that same description of like the cross section, like through the top. Yeah, it feels tight. Uh, she hasn't used that word. But. Okay. All right. Um, but when you get an, when you get an anterior knee pain on, on the back leg, um, they are in ER. Because the, think about this, the back leg becomes a late representation, which is which is um, IR moving from pelvis to the floor, okay? 
How is she producing IR from pelvis to the floor? Orientation. Yeah. Because she's still in ER. Right. So you got to put her in a shorter stagger or bilateral symmetrical. Okay. And you've got to capture a, a stronger representation of the internal rotation. Okay. Because again, she's losing the, she's losing the force battle. She's, she's getting pushed into the ground, right? She doesn't really have like her middle is all orientation, reduce the orientation, teach her where middle is, and then move her back and forth from there. Okay. So, so, so using, using bilateral symmetrical just as like a less means of just teaching force production in a gravity dependent position. Yep. And then the shortened stagger yes, just the means of not putting yes. her into like as much IR on that back leg and gradually bring her into more IR. Yeah. So, so her again, and, and you look at the lower extremity on this. Um, you look at like VL to VM mm -hmm. kind of a representation. Um, you need both of them to be active as she applies force into the ground with her leg underneath her. So, so straight down as she's standing, right? You got to get her that first. Now, under this circumstance, you might need to help her foot a little bit. So you might on need the, to take on the lead leg. Uh, I wouldn't put her in. I'm not talking split stance. I'm literally yeah. just talking standing up. Um, you might need to uh, uh, try, help her control her rear foot. Literally, literally one piece of tape in the right place can help her. Do you have Luca tape? Yes. Okay, perfect. So you, you, you literally create sort of like a stirrup on the, on the heel, right? You go from, from lateral malleolus under, just underneath the lateral malleolus. You're going to grab the lateral aspect of the calcaneus and you're going to bring it back underneath her. And then you tape about halfway up the inside of the, of the, the foot to the tibia. Okay. Does that make sense? So you're going to create a stirrup. Like it's, it looked like a J. How, how high up are you going on the medial side? Am I going over? You got to get it far enough up on the tibia so it's not on the IR portion of the tibia. Okay. You understand? Um, no, but like, so, so if you give her the calcaneal representation into the floor, okay, you have now reduced her ability to produce the compensatory strategy from the top down. So that think about like a lead foot, okay, in the split squat you just gave her a better shot at an early representation. So I'm just like re-supinating the calcaneus and then like insert. What, okay, no, cause it's already supinated. I know that's what, like, that's where I'm struggling like conceptualizing this. Cause like, I, I understand the top down, like top, like top, uh, where you were saying proximal distal, proximal distal, how uh -huh. like, the calcaneus that's ER, but the whole foot's IRing. But just okay, still stand up, stand up, boss. You gotta feel it. Stand up. Okay. I don't know if I can get this. That's good. That's perfect. That's perfect. Okay. So we'll because we'll be able to see exactly what we want to see. All right. So um, so pick up the uh, the medial aspect of your. So we're gonna do the left foot. Okay. Um, pick up the 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 first med head and the medial heel. 
Okay, awesome. Did you feel yourself shift to the left? Yep. Awesome. So here's what I want you to do. Don't change your foot orientation at all, okay? So keep it supinated, okay? Yep. And then do whatever you do whatever you have to do with your body to get the medial arch down to the ground. Thank you. Okay. Now, come back to center. Now don't sway to your right and do the exact same thing. Don't sway to my right. And do don't sway to your right. Get the medial arch down. Uh, I feel like I can't do that. I can't move the foot either? No. Uh, Unlock your knee. Oh, just bend. I, I didn't say bend it. I just said unlock it. Okay. okay. Anteriorly orient as hard as you can above your pelvis. There. Did you feel it go down to the floor? Yeah. That's what she's doing. So I guess I'm still I'm still trying to figure out. So watch me. Watch me. Here's here's your foot. See it supinated? Supinated yep. foot. You get it? Mm-hmm. Here's how I'm gonna get it down. I can see the compensation. Yep. I'm struggling to see how the tape is helping that. Cause it's to me, I still feel like I'm pulling if I'm coming lateral under to medial that feels like I'm putting her into an ER foot, which apparently she already in. Okay. Um, what is the tape for? To get her into a position that she's not getting on her own. Okay. Is she IRing into the ground? Yes. Okay. Which way, if we're just talking about her left foot, which way is her spine? Orienting to get her foot down. Orienting away from it to the right. Okay, so so it's so so it's it's IRing this way, right? Yeah. Okay. If I could take a piece of tape and I could grab her spine and I could twist the spine back in the other direction and tape it there, would that would that bring the foot back to its normal representation on the ground? Yes. Yeah. You're untwisting her, her IR. She's using an IR compensatory strategy. You understand that, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you were to grab her ankle and just go like that, would that square the foot back to the ground? Yes. That's what the tape's for. All right. That makes more sense. Yeah. You got it. It's a twist, right? It's, you, you do relate. We've talked about this, right? Once or twice. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like the 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 thinking is like, oh, it's like this this imaginary frontal plane thing, and it's a turn. But I can't tape her spine. Well, I suppose you could. It'd be a big piece of tape that would go. You could do it. Like seriously, think about this. You could probably do it. It would just be a really big piece of tape. Probably get some, probably get some weird looks if I tried that. Yeah, yeah. You look like uh, beach volleyball players with all the the colored tape on them. You know, gotcha. so, so tape, tape the foot and just give her a chance, a fighting chance of getting the foot orientation. She doesn't have correct. foot sensation, right? She, she's trying, she's pushing into the ground, right? Love you. Um, she's pushing into the ground, but like I said, she's got, she, like, she's probably using 
a, a C12 turn to push her foot into the ground on both sides, right? And, and like I said, give her, give her at least that ground contact. You might have to do more stuff, but, yeah. but I think that if you, get, if you get where she can feel, you know, first med head, fifth med head, medial heel, lateral heel, she can distinguish between those contacts. Right. And then that'll give her the, the ability to turn into and out of essentially what is gonna be max P, right? Or middle, right? Cause she doesn't have one right now. She's trying. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Cool. You see it? Thank you. But the, the solution is she needs the IR representation. She needs, she needs to have uh, to acquire the pelvic orientation and then the, the, the hip joint IR, right? Yeah, and I think that was that was the crux of the original question, just figuring out like the transition the yeah. from IR on the table to like how we get in, in weight bearing. Yeah, she's trying to she's trying to produce force in an ER representation. Good morning. Happy Tuesday. I have neural coffee in hand and it is perfect. All right. Man, a very busy Tuesday coming up. We're going to dig straight into today's Q&A. This is with Taya. Taya asked a great foundational question. So a lot of stuff shows up in this, and it's a, it's a relatively short video, but we're covering a lot of ground here in regards to um, the two strategies, one plane concept. So ER and IR always being present. When we have compressive strategies, these are all exhalation-based strategies. So we're going to lose ranges of motion associated with the compression. Where we lose it is dependent on where the compression strategy is. And so we go through an example of how we're going to progressively lose um, these expressions of movement options. And so Taya, thank you so much for this question. You're going to help a lot of people because I think a lot of people get confused when we say that ER and IR are always present. How is that even possible? And so this answers that question to a degree. So again, thank you. If you'd like to participate in a 15-minute consultation, please go to askbillhartman at gmail.com, askbillhartman at gmail.com. Please put 15-minute consultation in the subject line so I don't delete it. Remember to include your question in your email. Everybody have an outstanding Tuesday, and I will see you tomorrow. Um, I just wanted to go over again. One, one time you mentioned when we were talking about the oblique angle uh, that someone turns on the oblique axis. Uh -huh. I'm just wondering, you said that the biggest difference in the like, ER and IR is when the pelvis is most turned, but then when the compression is started to layer on the the uh, measurements get more and more reduced in, on both sides. So the yes, ER and IR gets more and more uh, compressed. Correct. Okay. So, and the same is for the flat turn. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, yes, because so, so every strategy that, that, that is superficial is an exhale. It's a squeeze, mm -hmm. which means I have to increase concentric orientation of the superficial musculature. Concentric orientation is going to create pressure. It's going to limit the expansion. And if I have limited expansion, I can't move, right? I have to have the expansion to move into a space. So as I push you from behind, right? If Let's just say you're standing directly in front of a wall, okay? Mm -hmm. Like right against a wall. And I push you from behind into the wall. So the wall pushes against you. I push against you. The wall pushes against you. I push against you. That's basically what's happening. So you're going to drop off 
because it's an anterior and a posterior compression, the posterior compressions are going to steal my ERs. The anterior compressions are going to steal my IRs. So the farther forward I go, again, I'm going to push back to stay over my feet. Otherwise, I would just fall forward, right? And so everything just goes boom, 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 right? And so you, you will lose both measures. And then the only space that you have is sideways, which is not really sideways, but it's out that way. It's away from so in this sense, would you say that someone who presents with more than 40 IR is more than 40 IR? Uh -huh. Yeah, is so compressed that just the pelvis is oriented upwards. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So, so now, now you have to understand the premise of, of, of where ER and IR really are. Okay. Mm -hmm. So um, one is up and one is down. Uh, ER is up and IR is down. Really simple. Love it. Okay. If I can't turn, okay, these are hip joints. This is what this means, hip joints, right? Okay. Okay. Uh, if I can't turn, how do I put force down? Because normally what I would do is I would just take my hips and I would go like that. I turn them inward, boom, force goes down. But I can't do that anymore. Okay, so I orient I, the whole pelvis. So I take a pelvis and I take my spine, mm -hmm. okay, which technically speaking, it moves relative to the pelvis, right? But we, we, want, we want normal relative motions within the pelvis, right? So I take my whole pelvis and I tip it forward. So both sides okay. of my spine are turning inward, okay, mm -hmm. at the same time. So in the textbooks, they call that extension. Um, but it's really just internal rotation on both sides at the same time. Okay. Yeah. Get it? I get it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so the, the greater the degree of compression, the more orientation I need to create under all circumstances. So if I need ER, I orient my hips outward. That's where ER would be. If I need IR, I tip things forward and that pushes me down. See it? Yeah, it is logical. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. I try to be as logical as I can be. Sometimes it doesn't work. I'm not that bright. So, you know, sometimes it doesn't make sense. But you're doing a great job, so. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. It's very nice of you to say. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Good morning. Happy Wednesday. I have Neuro Coffee in hand and it is perfect. All right. Where? It is Wednesday. That means that tomorrow's Thursday. That means 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. Coffee and Coaches Conference call as usual. Great calls, great people. Um, grab a coffee. Join us for some Q&A. These things just get better and better. Great questions. Um, very deep discussion last week, so it was kind of unusual and fun all at the same time. Please join us for that. Okay, digging into today's Q&A. This is with Taya. Taya has a really common question, actually, that I think is going to be useful for a lot of people. Uh, we're talking about the dreaded winging scapula. So we're blaming the scapula for a lot of things that it's not its fault. What we have is a thorax that's changing shape. We have a thorax that's moving away from the scapula. Scapula is looking for a place to land, so to speak. And so we get a lot of muscle activity that's associated with this that's going to produce a, an appearance that makes the scapula appear more prominent. So that's why the attention gets drawn there. The solution is not to pick on the scapula so much as it is to worry about thoracic shape change. So we kind of cover that ground. We kind of show you how this thing evolves so you have an understanding of it and then you can provide 
uh, the appropriate solutions. So thank you, Taya, for this question. It is awesome. Um, like I said, going to help a lot of people. If you would like to participate in a 15-minute consultation, please go to askbillhartman at gmail.com, askbillhartman at gmail.com. Put 15-minute consultation in the subject line so I don't delete it. We'll arrange that at our mutual convenience. And please remember to include your question in the email. Everybody have an outstanding Wednesday. I will see you tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., Coffee and Coaches Conference Call. Um, I just wanted to go over something that has been a little bit confusing. And it's regarding the like the winged scapula presentation. So, uh -huh. and as I observed with most of my clients, the right one is more, I would say, winged than the left one. And in my understanding, I see that due to the right turn, the uh, the tissue and musculature on the right side is concentrically yielding, so it's winged a little bit. But in one of your videos, you say that the winged scapula is a compressed thorax, so it doesn't go together with my understanding of how or why is winged scapula connected to the compressed thorax. Well, what if we, what if we quit blaming the scapula for just doing what it likes to do and, and let's, let's blame the appropriate structure. Okay. So can we just change the name? Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. Can we just call it a compressed thorax? That's the thing I'm not getting. If it's so, the so wide wait one. a minute, wait a minute. Okay. Um, what, well, let's go back to our, uh, uh, I think Ivan's question about looking at this through time. Okay. Mm -hmm. Can both sides of the thorax be pushed forward, but at different rates? Yeah. Okay. So would that, would that make something look, look more expanded on one side than the other? Yeah. But they could still be <laughs> compressed forward, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So what do your measures tell you? If they're both compressed forward? Yeah. It's like, so, so what, what, what measures will be reduced if I, if I, if I am pushing the thorax forward? Okay. Well, shoulder flexion and okay. ER. ER. Yeah. What else? Mm. Well, you got one more ER measure that you could probably use as a guide. Shoulder flexion? Well, you, we already talked about flexion, right? Oh. Yeah. The abduction. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you've got three ER measures that have to be normal for you to have a normal dorsal rostral behavior. Mm -hmm. Right? Any of those in deficit, would it be indicative of the fact that you don't have normal expansion in that area? So what gives me the winged look of the scapula? The thorax is pushed forward, okay, away from the scapula. Yeah, okay. it's just, I just see that if someone has the right scapula winging or compressed thorax, let's say, <laughs> but 
we're all turning to the right. Yeah. I just see that there's less, uh, there's more space between the left scapula and the left thorax than the right. Yeah. So, but I'm guessing that you're telling me the right side is still put forward and compressed. Thorax, yes. Okay. Well, um, so what what do you think the response is going to be? If, so if I push your right side forward, okay, mm -hmm. what will be the response on the other side? Well, it would turn to the others. If you push my right side forward. I, I would when I say other side, I mean front. I'm sorry, to be clear. If I push you from the back, what's, what's the front going to eventually do? Go forward. Okay. Oh, push back. Okay. Uh, what pushes back? Uh, compression. No. What? What? Give me. Give me a a, a muscle name that pushes oh. back. Pack pectoralis okay. minor. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Where does the pec attach? Does it attach to the joint? Uh, to the coracoid process. Okay, that's pec pec minor. Okay. Oh, you mean the major? Yeah. Where's pec major attached? uh to the humerus okay does it directly control the the fluid shift in the shoulder joint directly no but okay okay all right so it doesn't so it's going to pull the humerus forward right mm -hmm. okay and so if i don't want to walk around like this with my shoulder pushing forward like that what would be a strategy that i could use how, how can i pull this back so it's hanging down by my side. Pushing the thorax. What if, so the whole shoulder girdle got pulled forward. Here, let me turn sideways so you can see it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so if I get pushed like this, okay, mm -hmm. that would turn everything inward. You see that? Mm -hmm. Okay, so now I don't want my, I don't want to walk around <laughs> with my arm hanging in front of me all day. Right. Yeah. Okay. How do I bring it back? Don't yeah. retract. Don't retract. That's a lousy representation because you, you can't move like that. You push the thorax from so the Do this for me. Do this for me. Can you stand up? Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So so push the whole shoulder girdle forward like I just showed you. Okay, now all I want you to do is externally rotate your shoulder from that position. Oh, hello, what happened? Well, the whole extremity moved backwards. Okay, did it move backwards or did it just ER and you turned your scapula relative to your humerus? Oh yeah. Okay, so you moved the scapula, the medial border of the scapula away from the thorax, didn't you? Mm -hmm. There it is. Okay. You see the strategy? Mm -hmm. And this is, this, is, this is why you start to see those representations. It just becomes more concentric activity. I get concentric here, I gotta get concentric there because I, I have to create turn, all I have is turns. Right.
Does that make sense? Yeah. You see it now? Mm-hmm. A little bit more cl clearly, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, because the scapula is going to try to create, it, it's going to try to continue to produce pressure against the, the rib cage, right? Because mm -hmm. again, if, if I let my shoulder hang there, it is really uncomfortable because I don't have, I, I, I'm going to try to compress the humerus into the socket to hold it in position. That's how you, that's how you control that, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And so again, if I get pulled forward by that pec because of the anterior compression, so the thorax has already been pushed forward. You understand that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then it's getting pushed back. And so my, I, I don't have any more back and forth, right? And I got to compress the, the uh, uh, scapula against the rib cage. The only way that I can do that is I'm going to take, take the, the, I don't have my scapula here. Um, the lateral border of the scapula can still put pressure against the rib cage. But I, to do that, I have to ER the proximal humerus. And that's going to lift the medial border away from the, from the rib cage, but it's not the scapula's fault. It's still compressing against the thorax. Okay. Not yeah. The turn, uh, mm -hmm. It's a turn, mm -hmm. right? The, the representation of winging because they looked at the scapula and that's what kind of catches your eye. You go, wow, that scapula looks funny. Nobody, nobody ever said, wow, that thorax looks funny because it's not moving back to the scapula like it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. So when someone would show both scapulas winging, so he's really pushed forward on both sides. Oh yeah. Okay. You can you can you can make an assumption that you've got you've got a lot of anterior posterior compression. Okay, you're not going to have a whole lot of a lot of uh, IR available to you. Okay, because you've got the anterior compressive strategy that stole your IR in the first place. And then you created, you, you, there, there's my, where's that? Uh, there's your, this, this is now the shoulder girdle. It's not the hip anymore. <laughs> okay. We got shoulders, right? That are, that are ERing proximally. Okay. Now I get it. I just looked for, you looked for the space where you could turn into. So you oriented, okay, the humerus. Thank you. <laughs> There you go. But see, when, when you get something like this, Taya, when you get something like this, um, the stuff that'll show up, um, number one, you're going to have every, like the old school impingement tests um, for the shoulder, all of them will be positive. Um, you'll get medial elbow pain. Um, you'll get lateral wrist pain and carpal tunnel. Um, and all of those other little IR compensatory strategies. Okay. So mm -hmm. beware, like, like don't, don't get distracted by, by the, the, you know, don't blame the scapula. It's, it's literally trying to just stay home and everything keeps moving away from it. Right. So all it's trying to do is trying to stay against the rib cage. Good morning. Happy Thursday. I have NeuroCoffee in hand and it is perfect. That is really good. First up, Ian.
We're at you, man. There you are. Hi, sir. Greetings. Is that your own hat? Is that your logo? Yeah. It's like like Bill Hartman always wearing a hat. I, I was like, maybe, maybe that uh, helps with uh, my understanding of the of the model. So <laughs> it doesn't help me. <laughs> uh, I, I was thinking about the, the as i see with the with the soccer players it's many times it's bow in the legs or only bow in the tibia mm -hmm. so is that basically the same thing or will the bow in the tibia come before you see bowing of the of the whole leg like the femur going out because with many players i see kind of valgus representation but the tibia is like bowed out yes so it's probably proximal tibial er and it is yeah distal. so yeah so again calling it bowing is not not terribly helpful we have to kind of consider what's going on here it's, it's actually a twist right yeah and so it's just it's just a matter of degree so you have a knee joint in the middle which is going to create the differential at the knee. So you tibiofemoral ER, you've got uh, distal femoral IR relative to each other because there's a joint there. But if I keep twisting the extremity into external rotation, hey, uh, there we go, external rotation, remember? Is Alec, is Alec on the call? <laughs> there we go, Alec and Zach, there you go. So if I keep twisting the femur into ER, I'm gonna hit the constraint of the knee. And then I'm going to bring the whole leg with me. So yeah. when you think about, if, if we could look at this as a progressive situation, the knee is going to prevent the excessive amount of, of total extremity ER until that last moment, right? And it's going to drag everything with it. But the differential is always going to be there. Okay. Okay. So when when the proximal tibial ER is not enough to, to create space to IR into, you start going further up. Well, uh, yeah, I was going to say, you're, you're going to be proximal. You're going to be driving a lot of ER, ER from the top down. To, but, you still, yeah. but you still have to get IR into the ground, which is why you'll see the, you'll see. So instead of having uh, two twists, so twist femur, twist have tibia, one, I have one, one big extremity with one big round twist, right? That's essentially what's happening. Always understanding that there's still a little differential at the knee. All right, all right. You still have to address that. You still have to address the knee. All right. But, but if I'm looking at the, if I'm looking at this from, you know, uh, uh, a more expanded view, you have to address the, the proximal ER element of this first. Okay. Right. Okay. So to delay the, the from a from a solution standpoint, yeah, yes. yeah, because again, it's 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 kind of like we always talk about compensatory strategies. If if you understand the sequence of events that got you there, then you can reverse engineer the the sequence of events to get out of it. Yeah. Okay. Good morning. Happy Friday. I have neuro coffee in hand, and it is. Perfect. All right. 
Kind of a crazy busy Friday. We're gonna dig straight into today's Q&A. This is with Misha. Misha had some questions about, about walking and we have to look at this uh, from the perspective of shape change. So, so movement is shape change, walking is movement, so walking is the shape change. And, and one of the questions that he had was in regards to the shape change, how we're creating these delay strategies. So when we talk about walking, we have turns that have to take place. One side of the body has to be able to get ahead of the other. So we have to create delay strategies because we can only move forward. And so we have to slow parts of your body down. And so this is how we do this. And we talk about the thorax, we talk about the pelvis, and we talk about the foot specifically. So you get a good representation of how these shape changes occur, where they occur. And so you can start to understand when we talk about delay strategies and things like that in all these other discussions you'll get a, a much clearer picture of that. So this is a great question um, from Misha. So thank you, Misha. If you would like to participate in a 15-minute consultation, please go to askbillhartman at gmail.com, askbillhartman at gmail.com. Please put 15-minute consultation in the subject line so we don't delete it. Remember to include your question in the email as well. I would really appreciate that. Uh, podcast will be up on Sunday. Don't forget to go to the YouTube channel and subscribe so you can get all the videos at any time. Everybody have an outstanding weekend, and I'll see you next week. Misha, early today. Hello. Greetings. Greetings. Uh, so I wanted to ask about what's going on at the ribcage and the scap uh, during gait from like a shape change perspective. Uh, I was trying to kind of uh, write out what would be going on if you're looking like at the ilium as the scap. And the, uh, and the rib cage as the sacrum, but I'm stuck with middle and late representations. So could you go through the gait cycle as far as what's going on at the scapula and the rib cage? Okay, so we, we can just take our little conversation that we have with Ian and we can say, what's the representation of the, uh, let's just use a wide ISA representation. Mm -hmm. I tell you what, Misha, I'm gonna mute you for a second. I got a little bit of an echo that bugs me when, when for some reason I echo in Russia. <clears throat> okay. Um, so if we use a, 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 a wide ISA uh, individual's pelvis, so they're biased towards middle. So we can use that as the representation of what's actually happening, right? So from a, uh, a sacral perspective, you get a nutated sacrum, you're gonna have a, a DR that's also going to be we, if we could call it nutated, it's going to be the same representation. So you're going to get the, you're going to get the uh, the compressive strategy. Um, this would look like a relatively upwardly rotated scapula relative to the dorsal rostrum. Okay, that would be the IR representation of the of the thorax. Do you understand that? Okay. So does that does that answer part of the question? But during early, wouldn't you still get some dorsal rostral expansion? Yeah, but we're not talking about early. We're talking about middle. Oh, okay. So, but okay. So, that, that, can you start with early, please? So, you would get the dorsal rostral expansion. The scap would externally rotate, and you would get posterior. Okay, hang on, hang on. When you say external rotation of the scapula, are you talking about Bill's external rotation, or are you talking about traditional external rotation? So I'm thinking it's going to tip posteriorly and or the glenoid will orient out because it's following the shape of the thorax. And, and, and that would be incorrect. Okay. okay, so what would happen? It's an, 
Hang on. It's an inhaled representation of the scapula. Okay. So it's going to tilt down, and then you're going to get dorsal rostral expansion, which is going to turn the glenoid. So again, it's an ER representation. So hang on. Where's my pelvis? Let me get my pelvis. I'm going to show you on the pelvis. See the same thing happen. So you know that that would be ER, right? Okay, do the exact same thing with the scapula. Okay, as the arm is swinging backwards, the scap's going to do that. So you're going to get an ER representation there. Okay, which will create it. Uh, an expansion in, in the, uh, let's just say I'm left, we're going to go left arm swing. Okay. Make it simple. Yeah. As I swing the arm backwards, as I swing the arm backwards, the, the scap's going to turn relative to the, to the humerus. Okay. It's going to look like a, it's going to look like a, a, uh, an ER anominate would be the same representation at the shoulder. Okay. So it's not turning outward. It's actually turning the other way relative to the humerus. Okay. And would in this, like, it's kind of the rib cage expanding backwards that's causing the scapula to move in the early, right? And then, very good, as, very good. So, would you have also the infrasternal angle would be closed on that side because you have to essentially, uh, yeah, eccentrically orient the. The, diaph the diaphragm or it has to be yielding the same way as the pelvis floor during early? Um, yes. Yes. Rather, uh, <clears throat> sorry, relatively speaking, yes. Okay, and then would you, because you have to have some kind of anterior expansion to superimpose the internal rotation on, right? So you- Okay, so yes. Yes, but but again, always thinking in a, in a in a gradient, right? So as I step forward, I have so I'm going in that direction, so I have to expand in that direction. So so this is where we're going to see the the eccentric orientation in that direction, right? So again, I'm following the direction of expansion. Okay? I hit the ground. That anterior expansion is going to slowly be taken away as I start to load the extremity towards middle. Do you understand that? Yes, and then the, this is where the scapula presses into the ribcage and kind of tilts forward to put Thank force into the ground, right? Thank you very so much. So it kind of like goes from here to here. Right, well, again, it, it's, gonna, it's gonna look like an upward rotation by definition of old school scapular motion. And then so the last part, and then so basically this is where the thorax is getting compressed anterior posterior and you're putting force into the ground and then the last part is going to be the scapula is going to be going towards external rotation again. Yes, sir. But you're yes, not sir. getting a re-expansion of the, because it has to be pushing the thorax forward. So you have to get expansion anteriorly. How, how does that work? You're pushing the, so you're in the pelvis, the ilium is pushing the sacral base forward from behind. In, this, in the thorax, the scapula is pushing the, the dorsal rostral on that side forward from behind, which would create the turn. 
Okay. And then during late, where you, because your toes are kind of still on the ground, would you still have expansion somewhere to create the delay? Or is it just, it's very okay. small? Hang on, hang on. So here's how you have to look at this. So let's go all the way down to the foot for a sec. Okay. As you pass, as the tibia passes over the foot and the heel is still on the ground. Okay. What's the slowest part of the foot? What is, what is the big, where's the biggest delay in the foot as the tibia is going over the foot? The heel? Yes. Okay, good. Good, good, good. I, do, I don't know why I just guessed. I have no idea. Why. <laughs> well, it was a really good guess. You get full credit on the test. So there you go. Um, okay. So, so the tibia is going over the foot like this. Okay. Everything's going forward. Heel's still on the ground. So, so this is the slowest part. So this is where the, this is where the delay strategy is at the foot. You see it? Because everything else is going forward. As the arch goes down, that's forward. You get it? You see it? It's going forward, but the heel's still grounded, okay? When, I, when the heel comes back up and the tibia starts to go backwards towards ER, what's on the ground? The toes. Okay, where's the expansion? Where my okay, finger so is? First, behind, the, yeah, so the first mat head area. So, so right there. See it? You see the mm -hmm. delay? Yeah. So the heel was the slow part. Now the first met head's the slow part. Okay. Right? So there's my, yeah, IR. there's my IR. That little spot, that little right, spot there. right there. Uh-huh. Got it? Okay. Yeah. So foot on the ground. Slow the heel down. It's going to go forward. Slow the first met head down. And then boom. Then boom. All my IRs. Okay. So in the posterior lower rib cage, so in the rib cage, it will be the posterior lower would be like the last, the last place to compress. Yes. Okay. Makes sense. Because it's slowing down too, right? I have to slow down. I have to slow down the thorax. I have to slow down the pelvis. I have to slow down the foot, right? So all of those are going to behave similarly. Because if one doesn't, Ouch. Okay. Yep. Yeah. yeah, that was helpful. Thank you.